Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mad Advertising Podcast, your podcast about metaverse, marketing, advertising, and related trends in the tech world. I'm your host, Eli Santos, and this podcast is all about exploring the metaverse and its possibilities with people that are at the core of its development, and of course, how marketing is going to be related with everything. And today, I'm very excited to welcome Michael McDonald. Michael, say hi to everyone. Hey, everyone. Awesome to be here. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us today, Michael. So guys, Michael is a creative director at Walker Labs, where he and his team are creating a blockbuster Web3 game called Walker World. Previously worked at Ubisoft, Weta Workshop, and Electronic Arts with 15 years in the games industry and excited for what's next with Web3. So Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your background. We would love to hear it. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I uh, worked at Electronic Arts. Uh, that was where I started initially my career. Uh, was actually at EA Mobile, which was uh, sort of uh, one of EA's premier mobile divisions in Melbourne. Uh, and there we were working on all of their premium titles like Mass Effect, Sims, Need for Speed, uh, most of which would reach number one on the App Store. Uh, much harder to do that. <laughs> these days but um yeah right, like back then it was super exciting times because there was new technology um you know we were one of the first studios to get our hands on the ipad to develop for which was exciting uh so moving on after that worked for where to workshop back in new zealand which is where i'm from and uh yeah that was in partnership with magic leap so they're one of the leading hardware companies for manufacturing ar headsets uh, which you've probably seen in the news and Hopefully some of you have seen a demo of it because it's amazing technology. And they're, yeah, definitely some of the leading innovators of, you know, what's sort of known now as the metaverse technology um, or the future technology that's going to drive the metaverse. And again, that was very exciting to work with them. Um, amazing opportunities there for gaming, um, obviously enterprise as well. It's, yeah, sky's the limit with that. It's going to be very exciting times in the near future with that stuff. Since then, I moved to uh, Europe, where I've been working at AAA Studios, and most recently, I've just joined Walker Labs, and here we're working on Web3 blockbuster titles that are in the works. Very exciting, again, with this new technology of blockchain layer. Uh, it just opens up so many new creative opportunities as a you know a game developer like myself, where you know can bring in interoperable content that players own they can take that you know into other experiences vice versa you know people can bring all their their own content into our world have a lot of fun and there's a lot of partnership opportunities there too with you know similar to what you're seeing in Fortnite, for example where you know we're getting you know franchise opportunities we're getting you know fashion opportunities um you know big brand labels wanting to get their products seen by large amounts of players so yeah very exciting times Nice. That's amazing. And uh, yeah. before we jump into the conversation, I I'm I'm a little curious to hear a, hear a little bit more about Walker World, right? You showed mm -hmm. me a little bit about it uh, previously on LinkedIn. You sent me some videos, and I thought it was it was exciting. And I, I think I'm more excited now that you uh, kind of teased a little bit about the partnerships because you mentioned Fortnite, and you know Fortnite mm -hmm. is arguably like one of the games, or maybe the uh, game to have the most partnerships with brands and, and fashion labels and whatnot. Mm, so I'm, mm. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about Walker World, if you can tell us. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, Walker World is a Web3 game that we've announced in, in development with. Uh, we've got an amazing advisory board as well with us. So uh, 
guy Johan Dahl. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Swedish. I'm terrible at Swedish. But um, anyway, he used to be the chief operating officer at EA Dice, the company that made Battlefield, for example, and made the Frostbite engine that powers all of Electronic Arts, you know, top IP. So really massive name to have backing us. Um, various other names. Um, we just contacted another guy who I can't mention just yet uh, from the States, but he's also very high profile. Uh, so great to work with them. Where we started off, well, we're still in the very humble startup days, but we've had a massive supporting crowd from the NFT community, um, you know, funding funding this project with you know, NFT sales of the in-game characters that we're bringing to life in our world. You can check it out at walkerworld.io. There's a pretty kick-ass trailer there. It's had a lot of positive reception, uh, and in it we're sort of touching on all the pillars of our game, so interoperability exploration of this open massive vast world uh, community driven events and uh, yeah uh pvp action as well so similar bite-sized chunks of things like fortnite and other player experiences that you can sort of um get together as a group and you know share experiences with so, sort of think of it like a a virtual theme park where you know cool gameplay takes place i guess would be the best way to think about it yeah, but do check it out, walkerworld.io. Very cool. That's amazing. That's super cool. Yeah. And definitely, like, I think now that we're entering Web3 and that we're exploring the metaverse further, you know, I think it's mm -hmm. uh, definitely an amazing opportunity for a new blockbuster to come up. Because mm -hmm. uh, something that I've said uh, in a couple episodes already is that potentially, like, the biggest companies of Web3 that are going to be um the most used platforms of the future uh some of them have probably been already invented but are not popular yet and then there's exactly, also yeah. some of them that I, I i don't think have been invented just yet so i think mm -hmm. now is the like the perfect time for new uh new games and new platforms to arise and um and it sounds very exciting so um yeah as a gamer yeah. myself as a as a fortnite gamer as a valorant gamer as a league of legends gamer i'm definitely excited to check out nice. walker world so thank you very much for that yeah not cheers and yeah like like you said like you know it, uh, any new technology that arises that can change the games industry like the you know, games industry got revolutionized by mobile technology and what you saw was a lot of these smaller companies sort of take the prize right like uh studios like king and you know supercell were the ones that got to number one over the over time rovio obviously with angry birds it wasn't electronic arts or ubisoft at the time that sort of got there for the long term, it was these smaller companies that tried a lot of new things, innovated very quickly, and then sort of took the market. And so you'll probably suspect to see similar things uh, with Web3 with gaming, where, you know, uh, Web2 with mobile and console, um, you know, the larger corporate studios will likely wait and see what, you know, everyone else does first to see how it goes, and then we'll sort of enter the space. Uh, so right now it's sort of on our plate, studios like us sort of have got the responsibility to see what can be done and take it forward. So yeah, it's exciting. Definitely. It's, it's extremely exciting indeed. And I think this uh, brings us to the main topic of, uh, that we're going to be discussing today, which is new technologies emerging around uh, Metaverse and WebXR. And uh, mm. I think that was the perfect intro because, um, as you said, uh, and I, I completely agree, like back when we were discussing, like we, when we had 
uh, the rise of like the iPad and the iPhone and then mobile games started to become really popular. It was like the mm. small studios that were really like making the top one. And uh, and then later on, it came like, as you said, uh, EA, came Ubisoft, came Blizzard Games and whatnot. And uh, with their titles, I'm not even sure, to be honest, if Blizzard Games ever created a mobile game that hit number one. But anyway, um, and, uh, and, and it was definitely an opportunity. But uh, if you look from the perspective of what's happening right now with Web3 and the Metaverse, uh, we are still on the stage where the technology itself, which is kind of like the structure, is uh becoming is rising and becoming uh enabling i would say you know these types of games and these types of new platforms to exist and to be created right and um and so i'd love to kick off our conversation by asking you what do you think are the new uh promising emerging technologies so for example you know uh, we're going to be talking about blockchain a little bit and digital ownership mm -hmm. of assets um and then you know uh, the, which brings the cross uh, compatibility of gaming experiences and blockchain gaming so can we talk a little bit more about that potentially blockchain or maybe yeah. what do you think are the promising new technologies that are going to enable this new gaming world that we're seeing yeah no it's a very exciting time where there's a lot of progress being made made very rapidly in several technologies so one being hardware like we touched on so you know xr ar vr um you know hardware and then you've got like infrastructure tech like blockchain enabling things like you know nft ownership and interoperability and then there's other stuff like generative ai which is you know very fast-paced up and coming where you're seeing you know ai generate content um you know chat gpt obviously went viral um so you're seeing studios now that are injecting things like chat gpt technologies or similar technologies into characters in a game where we can have a conversation with for example uh, so that's something that we'll most likely look into very soon as well um, so a lot of very exciting innovation a lot of very exciting sort of revolutionary devices hardware software infrastructure um, and bringing all those things together can create some really exciting stuff so you know the sky's the limit really with um, you know if, if you start thinking about a smart city with you know people walking around with like glasses like you're wearing today where it's like small form factor lightweight everyday use um you know 5g 6g technology with um edge computing streaming content everywhere and only worrying about calculations locally based on your you know geolocation and everything else is sort of rendered in the cloud and streamed you know live like always on services um you can pretty much do we can really start bl blurring the lines between what's digital and what's reality yeah and then to the point that you know virtual fashion may take over the industry as like the the sort of forefront of what people want to wear maybe everyone's just walking around in a black t-shirt and then choose what they're wearing for the day with projected you know, content on their t-shirt for example uh, yeah it's very very cool possibilities obviously gaming is another massive opportunity there for integrating geolocational games obviously pokemon go was like well yeah that that started off as and uh, other games but pokemon go was the one that sort of you know went viral and took this world by storm that technology is now um uh, sdk that you can plug in with unity games to make yeah and that's with uh was it google lightship and well, neantic's lightship sorry owned by google and another platform 
on its wall, which is pretty much web streaming games. So you don't have to install anything. You just load up a website, start playing in AR space. Pretty crazy. That enables instant, you know, real-time updated content, either by, you know, server side, by players, you know, interacting with each other. User-generated content is going to be huge as well. Or already is pretty huge in things like Roblox, but once that becomes mainstream and like metaverse compatible, then it's going to be yeah a lot more community-driven experiences, not just developers like myself. Definitely, and um, I think you know when you combine all these things together, like it, it becomes extremely interesting. I love how you mentioned uh, you know uh, generative AI because. Mm. As probably people that are listening to us today probably already know, Chat TPT went viral last year in 2022, mm. and like you know, pretty much you know anyone that works in technology worldwide now knows uh, Chat TPT and its potential. So I cannot mm. help but see you know the same type of technology being used by NPCs in gaming, as you said, in order to start a mm -hmm. conversation, which makes yeah. the experience a lot more immersive. And I think, you know, as I said, when you combine all of these things, it makes it extremely interesting. But I'm wondering, like, um, because there are some challenges in the gaming world that now that we have blockchain, now that we have crypto and um, all of mm. the other technologies that you mentioned, NFTs mostly, um, it could address some of the challenges that we've had uh, until this day with gaming, right? So if you take, mm. for example, Fortnite, um, I can buy, like, Fortnite has countless options of you know av skins for your avatar that you can purchase and you can become that character in fortnite however like it's only valid within fortnite right so um i'm wondering what is your perspective about you know this cross com compatible type of you know like asset ownership or how do you think the the gaming industry in general is going to address that or what is your perspective on that yeah so to be honest Epic Games, like the owners of the Unreal Engine and Fortnite, they are definitely hard at work at looking at more of an open metaverse supporting platform. So Fortnite's a great use case of, you know, what can happen within a play space, but obviously you can't take, you know, the Avengers character you just bought in Fortnite out into somewhere else uh, because it's a walled garden. What I suspect personally, and this is sort of based on my own insights, um, take it with a grain of salt, but there'll probably, you know, within the years to come, be some sort of soft walled garden where it's semi-walled, where, you know, uh, Fortnite might have, you know, product placement of their characters and things in other games, but there'll be incentive for, you know, the player to look at that asset and buy it and maybe there's a benefit for them to take that back into Fortnite, for example. Uh, so that's one option. Um, but ultimately, Unreal Engine, as a developer platform and same with Unity, you know, they get a you know percentage back if you earn X million dollars for your game. So there's always incentive for them to, you know, help support other, you know, studios like ourselves and others to make revenue within our space. Um, and so there's no reason why they wouldn't want to, you know, support this open metaverse vision um, on all levels to make it very easy access and also, you know, do the, the Roblox thing, but at mass scale where it's not just within Roblox where everything's cartoony blocks, but, you know, any Unreal Engine based experience could potentially be a Roblox type, type thing where not just developers are releasing games on Steam or whatever, it'd be more of this overarching 
metaverse platform that you and I could make a little mini game within that we invite our friends to and just like Roblox for example um, that sort of seems where things are headed um, I mean Unity I can't speak much for them but I imagine it's something similar they've definitely got closer ties with SDKs for things like AR at the moment like your know, Lightship that we mentioned that's only Unity supported at this stage for example but um, uh, yeah, as time goes on, I think, you know, there'll be a lot more standardization with all these things and a lot more cross compatibility um, and like accessibility for everybody to make content. I love the, mm. the, the name that you gave it, kind of like a semi uh, walled garden. I think yeah. that's an interesting definition because definitely like it's, um, it's going to be extremely hard for you to acquire an asset within a game or maybe acquire an NFT from a specific collection that you like and uh, use it across pretty much any metaverse platform that you prefer, um, regardless if there's some type of integration for that specific item or not. Like, uh, yeah, you know, that's still a reality that I think it's very far off from what we have today, from the possibilities mm -hmm. that we have today. So mm -hmm. a semi-walled garden, I think it's an interesting definition, right? Because it's yeah, like, yeah. It, it has some sort of standard across different platforms, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it's not the same place. You know, it's we're talking about different platforms throughout an ecosystem, kind of. Mm. So it might be the solution of the future. And I, I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, this isn't anything new, right? Like you look at, um, you know, Apple iPhone versus Google products. Apple supports Google Maps. You can get, use Google Chrome. Um, they want to, you know, have easy access to those things. You know, I can use Microsoft Office on my iPhone. But, you know, there's always times where I'm like loading up my iPhone and I click a link. It's like, oh, did you want to open it in Safari? You're like, ah, oh. <laughs> like you just can't get away. Like they're always suggesting something. So, I mean, it is always like, you know, there's always incentive for these platforms to be cross compatible with even their direct competitors, but have, you know, little hooks that might entice you to, you know, buy an app on the app store and give them 30% of sales, that kind of thing. Uh, so it just makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. And and I think given the environment, like the picture that we're painting, I think we cannot help but talk about, you know, physical and digital or maybe how some people are calling it digital, um, even though some people don't like that word. Um, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I've never it's, hit that one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> people have been using this new digital uh, word and some yeah. people don't like the digital, the word digital. But anyway, um, and, <laughs> And I think it's going to be, that's like one of the biggest trends that we're going to be seeing in the upcoming years. Just the other day, I did a post about that, how Forever 21, they created this uh, piece of clothing within Roblox, which was basically a beanie that said Forever 21. And mm. like it was their top selling item within the, the platform. So they decided to create the physical version of it. And it was also like for, uh, I think it still is like one of their top selling items. And it's like, although it's very simple, it was kind of like... Like tested digitally and then created physically and then um, right, we've yeah. seen some examples of like uh physical items that come paired with uh digital items or maybe you buy the digital mm -hmm. and you get the physical version yeah so yeah. um i cannot help but see that scenario unfolding especially in the in the in this this context of you know uh, cross compatible 
platforms or maybe semi-walled garden, which is the name that you gave mm. it that I absolutely love. So I'd love to hear uh, from you a little bit about that. How do you think this digital scenario is going to play out? <laughs> I, I, I won't get used to that term, but um, I, I think, well, well, getting to the digital thing, I think, you know, a lot of this, these concepts and like mainstream adoption won't come about until we get rid of the terms like digital and blockchain and web3 because you know it's just not catchy terms in my opinion um but to the point is like you know you look at television um you know we don't say oh what are you watching on television it's sort of just like oh what what shows are you watching or you know it's the experience not the technology uh, and i think the same thing will happen with metaverse and xr and all this we'll stop using metaverse and xr and it'll just be like you know what what cool roblox game did you make this week or you know what what are you playing what are you experiencing that kind of thing whatever those terms may be that become the buzzword that sort of will be the point where we're like okay yeah it's mainstream now but in terms of this yeah idea of like the digital physical blend i can say that i have done some freelance work in the past that has involved like the physical and digital version um not just digital twins which is you know quite widespread commonplace for enterprise these days but also you know virtual consumer entertainment assets for example where you might and i guess like clothing could be another example like you know buy the digital version get the t-shirt in real life and for your digital avatar like that's another obvious one that's been happening a lot but also with the digital twin thing like it even affects and is very like rapid iteration um supportive with digital twins for example where you can do a lot of simulations in the digital side before you commit to a physical side of, of the product you're even seeing this in car manufacturing now for instance using virtual reality headsets uh, inside a car vehicle and then going for a drive and looking at the interior of the car and from a you know design point of view being like does this feel right in my you know is the hud within my peripheral vision um you know is the steering wheel at a, at a good comfortable distance do i feel like everything's you know ergonomically designed before they manufacture an entire production line and realize oh this is actually rubbish <laughs> we should have done that better you can do that instantly in the digital realm and then you know make a lot better educated decisions on on what you're designing and vice versa um you know you've seen a lot of progression and it's sort of not the hot topic anymore but like 3d printing for example when i was at where workshop 3d printing was insane like the amount of detail that you could do with 3d printing uh and that went all into you know the costume designs and weapons and things for a lot of the you know marvel movies for example it was just incredible what what they were able to achieve from a manufacturing 3d print uh design pipeline in that sense yeah yeah i completely um agree with the especially with the 3d printing part like it's something mm. that is not as sexy as it used to be a couple of years ago because mm -hmm. like when 3d printing came out like you know a lot of people were talking about it but then nowadays not as much but i think yeah. you know if you think about it um 3d printing i believe you know especially when we start talking about you know the blend between physical and digital maybe mm. we're going to be seeing a lot more 3d printing in the upcoming years because mm -hmm. it's um as you said like there's so many benefits from a manufacturing standpoint and also i think the end consumer is becoming so individualized i guess i would say that mm. um you know 3d printing comes really in, hand, in handy 
when you start talking about the blend mm -hmm. between physical and digital when like when you acquire a digital item and then you get like the physical version of it then i can just print the physical version of it in my home you know yeah so, exactly yeah yeah i love this concept I mean, yeah so like 3d print uh you know that's a technology that's getting faster to print uh can print stronger objects can print higher fidelity objects um but and this is another case where you know you're combining multiple technologies that are very much fastly rapidly evolving at the same time and in, in tandem so like you know you could take generative ai for example you know we've seen midjourney we've seen chat gpt but what if you were like hey can you design me a marvelous designer you know fashion dress and the the you know the ai just does it for you and cuts cuts it and it's like there you go like so it and like sews it and like there's a dress um, and you and me could do that, for example, without the skills of, you know, knowing how to, you know, fabricate something. Or it could be, you know, maybe it's a nice vase that you want at home for your flowers. It's like maybe there's you know, a shop every corner that has a 3D print. Maybe it's at your home and you're like, just, hey, Alexa, uh, print me a nice vase. I just bought these flowers. It's just it's just this crazy design and you know something like that like that's wild but it's definitely possible with the technology today um it's just not mainstream obviously but that's that's something that's possible as well it might be just yeah. a matter of time right yeah but, exactly uh, you um we've talked a little bit about you know um this uh interaction with uh, the fashion world and between gaming and fashion and the cross compatibility and the world, the semi semi walled garden right um mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm i'm thinking now like taking a step back you know because you're a creative director so um mm. what do you think it means this this all means creatively right so when you put together not only this part that we talked about specifically but also like spatial computing geolocated experiences which you talked about briefly at the beginning you mentioned pokemon mm -hmm. go for example or maybe location-based experiences you know um transforming environments you know all that type of stuff I would love to talk a little bit more about that, not only from a creative perspective, but also from a, an experience perspective, right? Because as you said, mm, and I can yeah, believe yeah. that's all that's that's what it's all about. In the near future, yeah. we're not going to be talking about oh, what what was the new you know what what is the news in the realm of Web three? Like nobody mm -hmm. nobody says like oh, I'm going to send you an an electronic message on Web one. You know, nobody says that. So nobody's yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. the same thing on Web three. So it's <laughs> just right. you know, it's just what experiences are you having like what are you doing you know and yeah, so yeah. let let's talk a little bit more about that from you know from a creative but also from an experience perspective yeah sounds great uh yeah that's a great uh point is <laughs> so one of our advisors henrik he's a great guy to work with uh he was actually creative director for angry birds 2 for example but i work with him like we have catch-ups once a week that's super and cool yeah yeah no he's a great guy um but one of the analogies he said, which is pretty much what you're saying, is like, you know, selling the the idea that you're a blockchain gaming company and you're a Web3 gaming company is it kind of a bit like saying, hey, come play our game. We're working on the new AWS server. Like, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares about the back end or what's going on there. They just want to know what the experience is, right? So we, we took everything we took everything a step back and focused on okay what's the experience what does this actually enable for players against what you could traditionally do um and one of the biggest things was interoperability of course because that means you know players own their content they can take it elsewhere 
outside of the game and you know other people who own content outside of the game can bring it and you just can't do that with previous technology you need blockchain for that so that was one thing that we we're focused on very much it's one of our core game pillars so we're looking at in interesting ways to you know incentivize people wanting to come to our place before their fun characters you know think about ready player one for example you're seeing lots of examples of you know every ip under the sun i think was in in that film but everything was grounded in a world it all worked together you know pikachu and you know overwatch characters and what else is it the shining <laughs> pretty crazy but yeah like you, you get the idea and so that's the experience that we want to deliver with that technology we're not selling oh it's nfts it's blockchain we're selling bring all your you know your characters into our well and have fun with gameplay that that's sort of the the thing the dream that we're selling and what we're working towards and we've got yeah we've got solutions in place for it another thing is um community as well so thinking about the user's journey how they want to get into our space traditionally you know right now we've got things like discord where there's a lot of you know friends where you'll have a discord channel with maybe friday nights it's like game night you jump into your discord channel there's all your mates like hey let's i mean most likely these days it's Fortnite, but maybe it's something else <laughs> but the the idea is there's this meeting ground right like this virtual meeting ground where usually it's like a discord channel um but if you start thinking of that concept and i think you might have said it on a previous podcast with someone else is it's almost like you're going to a venue like it and they might have an experience that you can do but the main thing of it is like your it's a meeting ground to you know share experiences with people um think about yeah like a temp and bowling alley i think was one of the things that was mentioned on your podcast um a theme park uh experience for example where you know you go as a family or a bunch of friends you have a fun time as a group and that's sort of the the experience we want to replicate as well within the game space you're sort of seeing it now already like you know fortnite and various other games have you know obviously like in chat features but um we want to sort of streamline that as well across the metaverse so not just our game not just discord where the like discord sort of sits externally from this you know steam or whatever it is having it sort of always on always communicative across any world um and you see it in steam too where you know you might see pop-ups where oh you know your friend josh is playing x you want to join the session or someone else might ping you as like hey they're playing among us you want to join the game and you just jump in so something similar except within a you know this metaverse space where everything's interoperable and like you know i can take my avatar across platform and things like this this is sort of the you know where things are headed and the new experiences that people can enjoy with this technology mm. yeah definitely i think uh the, the the more we can make it seamless the better and yeah you know like i think it perfectly perfectly compares with the experience that we have on the internet nowadays which is basically like mm. when you go want to go to a website you just basically type the address and then you go there and you have a certain experience there that you're looking for right and mm -hmm. then we have like a variety of tools and social media and whatnot that you just access maybe through apps 
maybe through typing the address in your browser so you can mm -hmm. just basically go anywhere and there's not like any concerns in terms of like oh am i going to be able to get there you know like am i going to be yeah. able to enter you know am, am i going to be able to access so i think you know making it as as seamless as we have today but for a virtual world mm -hmm. let's say yeah yeah exactly uh and i mean not only just for gaming where it's like you know Right now, I'm discussing you know, the idea of Discord and com communication with you know voice microphones and like PC computers in your office. Um, it's also you know digital co-presence where you know I have a very realistic avatar of myself, say it's a Ready Player Me or a MetaHuman or whatever, and you know I can load that and I can transport that like as a digital clone into somewhere else across the other side of the globe in a you know for instance a virtual concert for example which is you know still quite quite a big proven case like use case of the technology as well as you know these vr concerts you know dead mouse was one of the first to do it snoop dogs right in there as well various others that's a great example too of being able to you know use technology to um meet people in in groups even if you're on the other side of the world and yeah vice versa as well like being able to want to bring people together in your space either digitally or physically in you know a geolocated zone um, another solution is having location-based experiences which will lbx lbe um common term for that where you might have a um a footprint layout of a you know geolocation space um easy analogy is a basketball court so basketball court's like a predetermined you know x meters long x meters wide basketball hoops this this high you can now have a experience where you know you could have a virtually asynchronous game on the basketball court everyone's wearing these headsets and you're running around maybe throwing a digital ball to one another across the other side of the world um you know that's that's something that's theoretically possible with today's technology but it's certainly not mainstream but that's definitely where things are headed yeah definitely when I, when you when you talk you know especially the 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 geolocated experience i cannot help but think about you know working out uh and mm -hmm. you know going to the gym for example yeah yeah because you know um a lot of people they prefer to work out by themselves you know which is which is cool you know uh, but then there are like working out groups you know like so you can go to a or maybe like uh, not even going to the gym maybe like dance classes or something you know where you don't necessarily mm. um you don't always need to be interacting directly with someone else so for example if you think about the basketball example then you would need a digital ball and then two people would share the same ball across you know different environments which is interesting to think about but mm -hmm. then when you think about working out with partners and friends like they're just basically together you know they're not necessarily yeah. sharing anything physically or digitally except for the fact that they're seeing each other so yeah. um so it makes it really interesting especially when you tie that up with like uh, as you said lbe or location-based mm -hmm. experiences um mm -hmm. i think that's really really uh really interesting to think about yeah yeah definitely and I, I think a lot of the you know the struggles with the pandemic definitely opened the floodgates with a lot of this technology 
having a you know a reason to go more mainstream with you know vr co-presence and things like this um you know zoom obviously if you bought shares in zoom early on good on you <laughs> um, but yeah yeah things like that um definitely help things forward uh lbe like needing to be at an actual location actually hurt companies like magic leap where you know before we were working on entertainment like they've now pivoted to enterprise but beforehand we're looking at doing a lot of location-based um, experiences because that was one of the best use cases of the mixed reality technology was integrating it into your real world. And if you can have a dedicated play space for that, it's a lot more fun. Um, think about like paintball, for example, you go to a venue, there's like a you know layout, it's capture flag, it's lots of fun. If you just sit that in the backyard of your house or your living room, eh, maybe not as good. So we're looking at, yeah, all these location-based experiences and then pandemic hit and we're just like, ah. <laughs> so didn't work out too well there, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's on the rise now again, because, you know, pandemic restrictions are lifting people want an excuse to go back out and have a lot of fun again so yeah expect expect cool things to come i think yeah and uh and and before we jump into the to the to our final topic i would love mm. if you could talk a little bit about uh what is your perspective around real-time cinema or maybe virtual production or i'm not sure how to call it yeah yeah how, yeah how do you think yeah. since you're since you have this creative background and um and in the entertainment industry you know i think mm -hmm. you know uh the movies of the future are going to be a lot like the first person games of now and you know like yeah. i think there's going to be a huge connection there so i'd love to hear a little bit about your perspective on that because i'm assuming that yeah, you have yeah. a very unique point of view there yeah yeah no i know a lot of friends who have um who i used to work with at you know places like electronic arts who have moved into what's called the virtual production um sector of filmmaking so you might have seen um with shows like the mandalorian for example they have these big led walls that sort of encompass the actors on set and that is all driven by unreal engine real-time content on the in the background and that actually lights the you know the talent the characters in the in the story scene in real time by you know this virtual content uh pretty crazy but if you can imagine that technology being used in a virtual reality space and these you know characters instead of being you know static um you know 2d video linear storytelling characters but you know 3d light field space you know vr experiences that you can as a you know as a viewer or you know someone who might even have some form of agency in the story for example can actually interact with these characters no longer are you just a passive viewer but you're actually an active participant in this storytelling experience which is yeah pretty mind-blowing so that's definitely something that i can see taking off in you know the mid to long term so you know it, either at a you know an imax experience we can put on a headset and enjoy it or maybe later on when you know price points are more accessible you might be able to put it in, on in your living room and you know have some kind of like play space where you can like you know move around and interact with these characters um there are like some caveats with it like you can't you know do a barrel roll in a jet wearing one of these things because you're just going to spew up if you've ever tried doing that um I, I yeah me and some friends bought a dk1 off the kickstarter this is before oculus was sold to facebook and let me tell you some of the demos on the dk1 oculus were pretty gnarly 
<laughs> a lot of sick people in the office that day but it was exciting you could see the potential but um yeah so like you know um what i'm getting at is like you know the storytelling experience might be more like maybe it's like within a enclosed space or maybe you know if you look at what walt disney theme parks are doing like they've done this massive star wars you know location thing where it's all these crazy sets and actors actually interacting with the you know the theme park goers to like you know have some kind of like like hey like come with me there's a you know and it's like this fun experience some of it is vr some of it like most of it's real props but you know if you can see that you know working with you know technology like these glasses or you know the light ship technology that you know neantic has all of a sudden now it's like the experience is much richer uh, much more engaging it's like you know you can have a you know, real glowing lightsaber and take out droids for example um but yeah like there'll be a limitation there i guess with like the real world space it's a play space and you already have that with virtual reality headsets like you know the steam vr headset um for example like you know you set up a light box and it's like oh two meter play space play beat saber you move outside the box you're gonna hurt yourself basically um so it might be the case where you know there'll be accessible experiences like real-time you know films that you can have full immersion in that might be a bit like you know star trek holodeck where you're just within a play space like this and then there might be you know geolocation stuff where you, you could theoretically have an entire island in real life dedicated to this play space with a you know digital overlay and the whole area, the whole resort's, uh, you know, a crazy, fun, you know, alternate reality, basically. Yeah. That kind of reminds <laughs> me of Hunger Games, which I'm not sure if it's a good thing. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No sharp, no sharp objects on the island, I guess. <laughs> no sharp objects. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. And so uh, just uh, for us to wrap it up, like as, as, as our final topic, you know, you kind of touched on it already. You kind of talked a little bit about already AI generated content, right? Because yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the places where things are going, right? Like we can mm -hmm. clearly see AI being this kind of assistant to many jobs out there. You know, I'm in marketing, so I know how much chat EPT can be helpful for my, 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 my job and to enhance my skills. Mm. And like we've seen similar tools for uh, uh, environment development, for example, in 3D or maybe development of 3D assets and whatnot. So um, how do you think, you know, uh, this is going to enhance, you know, these uh, environments or maybe these virtual experiences? And um, do you think this is going to enable uh, a, a better experience overall? Or do you think it's just something that can enhance, you know, the developers themselves in order to achieve some goals within projects? Or do you think, you know, for the end consumer, they're going to feel there's going to be something different uh, in the metaverse? You know, it's going to enhance the metaverse mm. experience thanks to AI. Yeah, so there's sort of two sides of the coin here. One is, I think you briefly mentioned it, is like job security. <laughs> and it's already directly impacting, I can tell you, like within our industry, jobs like, um, you know, 2D traditional concept artists. Um, from a junior's perspective, just graduating out of university, still, you know, pretty good at drawing, but not like a world-class veteran yet. 
being undermined by things like Magenny, where you know me as a creative director is like, oh, I want a house and it looks like this, and it just pops up in 10 seconds. And I'm like, oh, great, that's exactly what I wanted. All of a sudden now I'm inclined to you know have a hesitancy to hire a full-time junior concept artist because they come at a much higher cost, much slower turnaround rate, things like this. So from a business perspective, and a you know careers perspective it is quite damaging in many ways the positive side of it is these you know these people these individuals probably have a, some good visions in mind and they can you know they can learn to use this ai to you know speed up their creative process essentially it could pretty much bump everyone up a ladder where instead of someone like myself directing concept artists i might be directing junior creative directors for example um where and wh which is a job junior uh, well you know junior art directors or quite more commonly called uh associate art directors uh, they usually sort of a middle person between art director and the junior concept artists but theoretically these students could become you know a associate art director straight out of the gate and then you know someone like myself could direct them and they you know harness AI or whatever it is. And this will happen the same way with 3D modeling, for example. Uh, and it also, you know, enables a lot better accessibility for people who can't afford, you know, spending 10 years in art school to get good and find a job. Maybe they're really good at, you know, understanding how AI works and can like write a beautiful poetry thing. Or maybe chat GPT can do that better as well. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I'm getting at is it's not the technology that it's actually the threat here. It's more capitalism because eventually, you know, 100 years from now, it's more likely than not that AI could replace every job known to man, um, you know, both, both, you know, working on a computer and physical with whatever Elon Musk or, you know, Boston Dynamics can come up with. But uh, yeah, like the, I, I would strongly suspect there's a, a point in history where there may be some <laughs> some revolutions take place with, you know, ah, no one's buying anything because no one's got a job kind of thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of the creative process, there's so many um, more broader opportunities at hand where, you know, not only would um, it fast tracks smaller productions, uh, but it also enable large scale productions that just wasn't possible with today's, you know, budgets for games or films. So, you know, if you think of the Beniverse where it's a complete full overlay of the Earth, where you've got digital twins of the entire Earth looking different with like cool graphics and stuff, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like GTA 6, for example, is like, you know, usually it's like, you know, there's some zones and it's like maybe X kilometers wide and that takes, you know, hundreds of people six years to develop, for example. Um, you know, at scale, if you're doing like, you know, a whole wrap around of the Earth, maybe it's like multiple layers of the Earth, different dimensions within the same play space. Maybe you're teleporting into Mars and there's a, you know, complete different planet that you've got to explore. Um, right now, that's just not possible to have that experience because the budget isn't there. This would be billions of dollars for a studio to, to develop over 20 years like it just isn't scalable like that and so ai is able to be able to fast track this you know this um content creation process to the point that we can go much broader but we can also make it much richer experience so if you look at some games that sort of went really broad early on 
often it's quite a empty space it's pretty dry world there's not a lot going on you just gotta travel further away um i remember playing what was it one of the elder scroll titles yeah i was, was about Mara. to i was about to talk about skyrim because yeah skyrim you're talking I'm, about really reminds yeah, me of yeah. skyrim yeah yeah so a lot of these studios are like all right we're gonna make the new sequel it's gonna be bigger it's gonna be better it's like all right make it twice as big yeah and it's just like okay well we can only have the same amount of content but it's twice as big land so it's just gonna be a bit less populated right um i remember playing morrowind as well this is like the third in the in the series and that was even you know at a time where you know 3d and what was possible then was even a bit more scarce and that was pretty dry like it was pushing new boundaries but it was very much like this vast world with not a lot going on um and so you know if you look at today's games you know they're pretty good but like the the broader you go the less content there is or the, the less meaningful experiences within those areas um seem to take place because you know you're sort of limited to often maybe 50 million 100 million dollar budget for these you know that's sort of looking at the largest budget games is, is something around that you know triple a threshold um there's terms of like quad a game development something like Fortnite, where the you know that it's even larger budget but even then it's still pretty contained i mean it's still amazing and there's so much going on but it's not like a a full universe for example experience and so ai can really help enable that experience those larger you know more meaningful worlds to explore right mm. and um yeah like uh, i guess depending on um uh, you mentioned for example skyrim which is a game that i i recall uh, elder scrolls in that case like i remember playing skyrim and i was absolutely fascinated by the fact that it was kind of like this open world and uh, the map mm. was huge and there was just a lot of things to explore and then each character that I would talk to would have a different history so I love you know how deep uh, the experience was and so mm -hmm. uh, thinking about um, AI enhancing everything you can make it mm. a lot larger and with a lot more experiences with a lot more history so for the user um, like it could be like being in a different world basically like a world apart from the rea reality and um and it's yeah. so immersive that you could just you know you could spend your whole life there you cannot explore everything so that's yeah yeah you know it, it's exciting to think about that yeah yeah definitely uh, another thing is not just ai but um yeah like we touched on it already but user generated content and you know things like marketplace stores for developers like epic mega scans for example so quixel um you know they got bought out by epic but you know they've got a massive library of these high fidelity you know rocks and trees and you know props and everything that you can use uh, to populate these worlds with there's a lot of development going into procedural tools as well so procedural generated worlds where it auto populates you know vast environments like minecraft for example is a is a good one but you know thinking about minecraft but with these triple a quality high fidelity assets being able to propagate in a similar way so that that's one way you can get a really vast experience um but the problem with yeah problem with procedural stuff is it's of it, it can often be limited to certain patterns and you start seeing the same repetition same with minecraft you know that there's a certain limitation to what those areas are um but yeah it, it's definitely exciting seeing you know technology progress like you know like i've mentioned i've been in the industry 15 years now 
and it's hard to keep up sometimes <laughs> yeah you, some days you're like you know what i just gotta do some r d tonight because this new software thing holy shit i gotta learn it otherwise i'm out of the game <laughs> yeah yeah, I completely know what you're talking about because, you know, especially last year, there were so many new tools, uh, you know, these mm. new AI generative content tools that it was just amazing. You know, like we had Midjourney, we had Dolly, we had a chat mm. GPT, like just to name a few of the most popular ones. So it's like, you know, um, all of a sudden, yeah. like, you know, AI by itself, AI, um, how can I call it? Like an AI tool specialist can become a job by itself right so it's mm -hmm. interesting to to think about that but yeah, yeah. either way um michael thank you very much man for being here with me today i really appreciate it and uh yeah it was an amazing no, conversation thank you very much yeah and no, i felt the same way thanks for organizing it yeah super exciting to be here with you yeah no problem it was really a great conversation and so just for us to wrap it up i'd love to hear a little bit about uh, some of your future projects or maybe some of the next mm -hmm. steps uh, that you're considering right now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like I said, you know, currently working on Walker World at uh, Walker Labs as creative director. So do check out walkerworld.io. Uh, it's very, yeah, very exciting project. Uh, also very vast and open world, uh, capitalizing on, you know, things like Megascan assets like I talked about going to be looking at yeah generative ai stuff as well with uh, characters and various other things uh yeah keep keep following with that and also some other stuff i can't quite talk about yet but super excited to it's not quite announced but um yeah yeah maybe we can keep in touch have a follow-up on that <laughs> all right michael uh, once again, man, thank you very much for being here with me today. Guys, if you want to follow Michael um, and keep up with his news and see some of his work, move to uh, michaelmcdonald.art or look him up on LinkedIn, uh, just Michael McDonald. And um, if you guys want to follow me, you already know it. It's Eli Santos on LinkedIn, E-L-Y space Santos. And um, if you guys need metaverse uh, marketing related services or consulting, please go to metavertising.ai and I would love to have a call with you, see some of your needs and help you out. All right. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening to us today. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Thank you very much. And I'll see you in the next episode.